Live to see it, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com or go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. On the blog and on this program, we talk about the future. We talk about emerging technologies. We talk about emerging possibilities. We talk about a future that we think is coming very soon that we'll all very much want to live to see. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me, as always, is my co-host, co-futurist, and co-blogger, Stephen Gordon. Stephen, how are you? Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm super fantastic. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, I'm a little bummed about last week, actually, myself. Um, Oh, maybe I should have just said fantastic, actually. Yeah, uh, because we actually do have a story to tell this time about why why you're not super fantastic. Yes. We, I mean, for those uh, who listen to this show on, you know, on a delay, you might be wondering well, why we didn't have a show last week. Well, we did. We did have a, lo- a show last week, and our live listeners got to hear it, and that's all. Nobody else got to hear it. Uh, uh, so far. So far. Um, we've, uh, we've contacted tech support to find out what happened. Did it save? Did it, you know, is, it, is it sitting on some hard drive someplace, and we just don't know, what's, you know uh, what happened to the show? Uh, you know, for whatever reason... Uh, it's just not available, uh, and uh, so uh, sorry about that to our listeners. But uh, I, I guess we can we can blame our host for this this time. Well, we you know we we, we don't want to lay any blame whatsoever, and we'll be delighted, of course, if they come back and say, "Oh, here's the show; it was misplaced, and it gets put up." But uh, actually, uh, at this point, we're just hoping to get any kind of response at all from Blog Talk Radio because uh, we're a weekend too waiting to hear uh, uh, what happened to the program. So, if anyone from Blog Talk Radio is listening to us uh, right now, and you'd like to. Uh, let us know what happened to last week's show. We're uh, we're eager to find out, and of course, well, we're all ears on that. We are all ears on uh, where last week's show is, and we're uh, very much hoping that uh, that they will uh, locate it and uh, get it up on our site for us. And we're also hopeful it never happens again. <laughs> so, <laughs> particularly when we have a great guest like we had last week, and uh, who who called in at three in the morning his time, and now we don't have the show. So, yeah, he is the all-time trooper. Uh, as, as far as uh, as far as inconveniencing himself to uh, uh, to, to participate in the show, T- Tobias Buckell, I think, had the previous record when he uh, went out to his car to charge his phone while he was talking to us because he wanted to keep the call going. But uh, this uh, this was this was our all-time great, and and yeah, it was it was a great discussion. Would really be a shame if we lost that. So we are we are hoping, very much hoping, and if not. Uh, 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 Philip uh, Van Nederveld has uh, said he will be back on the show again. So it's not like. Uh, it's not like we'll never be able to talk about these things again, but we, we certainly hope that we do get the uh, the archive of that program. No doubt. We have a caller, and let's see who we've got, Phil. I think I think I might know who this is. Well, let's find out. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello, it's gentlemen. It's uh, it is, is our Hollywood correspondent calling in on Oscar night. <laughs> I'm I'm calling from the glamorous, uh, fabulous bedroom of my apartment uh, <laughs> as my children watch in the other room um, yes I'm watching the Oscars and uh, I have to say uh, not a terribly exciting Oscars this year I love John Stewart I'm a huge fan uh, but uh, it's not one of those so far not memorable not not memorable. well they didn't have the the writers didn't have the time to, by the way I should mention that our, our uh, Hollywood correspondent is of course the delightful PJ Manning, who is joining us uh, to talk about movies here. Um, 
so uh, do you think that the fact that the writers didn't have time to really crank out the good stuff this time around has something to do with the fact that it's... Well, are, are you talking about... there have been pretty awful Oscar broadcasts in the past where the writers had all the time in the world and still <laughs> failed to <laughs> still failed to, to pull something. But, um, no, I just um, I think the movies... There, there are not a lot of movies this year that were huge blockbuster zeitgeist films that get people excited. Um, I happen to love many of the movies this year, but I don't know if they were big box office, um, you know, performers. Right. So I think it's hard. It's harder for the Oscars to respond in some ways to non, uh, to more art films and things like that. Well, I watched one last night that was a bit of a bummer. Um, that I, I think is has got to be up for something. Uh, in the Valley of Eli, is that? Is, yes, I don't know uh, what it's up for. I haven't seen it up for anything yet. Yeah. Well, um, the but, portrayal, I mean, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is great as, as usual. Always, yes. Yeah, um, but it's just, you know, it was a downer subject. And uh, it's not, you know, not a lot of people are going to just, you know, go out and take a date to that one, you know. Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of downer subjects, Um You've got No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Atonement. You know, it's like one yeah, after it's a, another. It's, it's like, a laugh oh, riot. Oh. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Feel good uh, Oscars of, of the century. Huh? Oh, um, boy. But I, I will tell you that um, from your, your speculist point of view, uh, best visual effects was won by the Golden Compass. Yeah. The Golden Compass. Okay. It is a beautiful picture, isn't it? They and they did a beautiful job, uh, which was great. Yeah. But look, you know, Transformers also did a great job in that department. Yeah. Um, so I, it you know, really looked like big robots transforming. <laughs> yeah, they they were they were it, pretty great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I have from a speculist point of view from the Oscar so far, gentlemen. Well, PJ, we were we were chatting uh, ahead of the start of the show. Uh, about whether this was a, a good year for speculist type material in the movies, and I think we, we, we concluded that this year comes up pretty dry as, as far as having a lot to uh, as having a lot to offer. Whether whether they're up for Oscars or not, there there weren't a lot of movies out that that delved into the kinds of themes that we talk about on fast forward radio or talk about on the speculation. Although here, the Bourne Ultimatum just won Best Sound Editing. I know you're very excited about that. <laughs> well, I like the movie. It was. Uh, it's actually a marvelous movie. I thought yeah. uh, the best of the three, and and uh, they did a great job. Yeah, I just watched that last week on pay per view, and I was sitting there, captivated by the sound editing. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I went on and on. Uh, you know, that's one of those things. Good sound editing, you never notice. Right. Yeah, you're never distracted by good sound editing. Yeah, it's it's the it's the bad sound editing that you notice. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. So, uh, so far, that, that's all I've got to report from uh, your correspondent in Hollywood. All right. Well, we thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for chiming in with this. And uh, before, before we let you go, I want to I ask you to put on your other hat just for a moment. Yes, PJ, sir. Because you are the, uh, uh, I don't want to use the sexist term, you are the chairperson, I guess, of the board of the World Transhumanist Association. Is that, uh, is that yes, a I, I, Yes, my family likes to call me Madam Chairman, yes. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> they, they play music when you walk in the room. Pop and circumstance. <laughs> hell to the chief. There you, there you go. Hell to the chief. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and which, naturally, I think most, most moms should get that anyhow. But uh, <laughs> we, um, our planned guest this evening is Michael Anisimov. And uh, Michael has not been in touch today. So I, I think that uh, somehow we may have, uh, I may have dropped the ball 
communicating with him in terms of the logistics of the program, or maybe I thought we were confirmed and we weren't actually confirmed, or you know he might just be having trouble dialing in. You know, there's all kinds of possibilities here. But what I was what I was going to say is, since you are the chairman of the board and he is uh, a member of the board, yes, um, I want you to have a talk with him about this. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to give him detention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I was looking for. <laughs> And I'll have him right on the blackboard a hundred times. Yeah, I will. I will not miss fast forward. Radio. I will not miss fast forward radio. <laughs> and, and not only is that good for him, okay, but but that that gives I think a strong message to the board, okay. You know, there's a new it, everybody will be in line after that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's exactly well, look, right. you know, I, I think this has to do with any board of directors, but I I do believe that uh, me becoming chairperson has a lot to do with the fact that I have a lot of practice at, at telling people when to stop arguing and sending them to their rooms without their dinner. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hugely important skill. We need, we need a lot more of that out, uh, out in the business world, that's for sure. So, <laughs> well, we congratulate you on that uh, appointment. We think, Thank uh, you very much. That, the, uh, that they, they chose well, they chose brilliantly, as a matter of fact, and we're looking forward to seeing all kinds of cool stuff from uh, the World Transhumanist Association under your, under your leadership. Thank you. We're looking to, forward to a very big year. We've just uh, finished an enormous fundraising project. Uh, we heard, yeah. That, uh, uh, word is y'all have a budget now. We actually have a budget. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> wow. And we have a lot of very exciting projects, a, a magazine that will be um, edited by Are You Serious, uh, a, a student outreach that's going to be a very interesting program. Uh, we've got a lot of very good stuff coming up. And are you serious is not to be confused with Yahoo serious. So. No, God, no. <laughs> no. This is a great futurist writer, are you serious? Yes, uh, yes, the, I'm aware. The, yes. <laughs> Long lamented but gone actor, Yahoo serious. I think you're really kind of dating yourself talking about Yahoo serious. There, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> In fact, I almost did a what? Who? <laughs> I know that all of our, uh, if, if our if our college listeners at the University of Northern Colorado or elsewhere are listening, they have no idea who Yahoo Serious is. So. Hi, and, Googling. And they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lack of knowledge. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. So, so PJ, we, we thank you so much for calling, and we'll let you get back. Oh, there was one other thing I, I meant to say, since you were our Hollywood correspondent and you'd called in uh, on the Oscars. Um, who are you wearing tonight? Who am I wearing tonight? If I told you... Uh, that it's one step up from pajamas, will that be okay? <laughs> Your advantages of not having to get all dolled up and going to the show. Actually, that's the catty sort of thing that we're supposed to say after you walk away, right? Yeah. Right. I, I don't know what she was trying to do there, but it's hardly exactly. a step it was, up it, it looks like pajamas. Um, but She's you know, dressed like, for radio. So. Yeah, I'm dressed for radio, and uh, you know there are advantages to that, and the fact that you don't have to sit in your seat until your bladder bursts because you have to wait for a seat sitter to come and fill your seat. Did you know that? I did not realize that, so there won't be any empty seats at the Oscars. So now, no this is the insider stuff that we get from you because you're our Hollywood correspondent. Yes, yeah, so, so whenever anyone has to get up, first of all, you can only get up during the, the commercial breaks, but when anybody has to get up, including the presenters, who, of course, have their own seats in the theater, there is an army of young men and women, all dressed in formal wear, who run into the empty seat and fill it up so when they do the shots, so those, those panning the shots, shots exactly, yeah. ah. of the audience. It's a packed house always. It's a packed house always. That is astounding. Now, that's a sweet gig. Who, who gets to be a seat filler? 
Um, you know, it, it used to be, it's kind of like who gets to be ball boy at the Dodgers. Um, it's contacts, it's uh, kids usually from the film programs there. It, it, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. It's usually young people right. who, because I don't know if they pay anything. <laughs> it's more just for the fun of being Well, yeah, I mean, to, gee, you get to sit down potentially with Jack Nicholson or somebody for 30 seconds. You yeah, know. you know, that's actually been the most fun about watching the Oscars. He has really become the mascot of the Oscars. He's con- They constantly cut to him and constantly make jokes about him. So they stick him in the front row, and he's always good for a laugh. He's... <laughs> He's he's definitely like you know the the baseball mascot dancing on the field. Well, he's always got he's he's it always looks like he's up to something. <laughs> and he's a he, mischievous looking guy. Yeah, and he reacts well when when somebody makes a joke and if you cut to him, he's usually got that kind of I'm laughing a little bit kind of that's all very amusing sort of look on his face. Yes, just, absolutely. Yeah, just a just a, a great reaction shot, kind of a the king of, a of cool. Yes, he is the king of cool. Well. Uh, you know, not counting you, Stephen. <laughs> Second only to yours, truly. Or no, you're, I'm yours. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm confusing even myself with this discussion. Well, I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that we uh, that, that we use the phrase uh, "Who are you wearing?" And not only I think are we the only singularity aware podcast on which that phrase has ever come up. This is actually the second time we've done it. So it's almost a running gag. Well, you know, next year I'll have to make sure I'm wearing something a little more interesting. <laughs> well, the great thing about radio is you can say, "How would we ever know?" Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to work on what you're wearing. You just have to work on your answer to the question. See, that's <laughs> very true. That's the beauty of radio. All right, PJ, thank you so much for calling in and um, enjoy the rest of the Oscars, and we look forward to having you back on the program here in a couple weeks. Likewise, take care, gentlemen. You too. Bye bye. Thanks, PJ. All right. Well, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, our show is is kind of interesting for Singularity Aware podcasts. I mean, in so many different ways. I mean, what other show like like ours would cover sports, for example? I mean, right, sports and the Oscars. I mean, we we yeah, kind of we, we just try to do it all. We, we delve into uh, we delve into some pretty weird areas here. No doubt. Well, let's let's talk about some uh, areas that we can delve delve into. Before before we do, let me just say that this is. Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Phil Bowermaster and Stephen Gordon talking generally about the future. Uh, we'll be taking your calls a little bit later in the program. If anyone has a question about any of the topics we're talking about, Oscar picks or uh, fashion designer ideas, any, any of that sort of stuff, you can call us at 347-215-8972. So we kind of got an open... Uh, Open agenda here this night. Well, and that's okay because I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit or talk a little bit about your uh, your the post you put up at the Speculist. I think it was just yesterday, uh, talking about stupid Americans. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this is this is old news. Uh, not that Americans are stupid, but the uh, the the post that that was based on. Right. I mean, that was apparently there was some sort of thing that came out like what six years ago. Yeah, about nine years ago, actually, there was a. A Gallup poll uh, that showed that um, you, you, some, some basic knowledge questions that you that you ask people, and Americans um, about 18% answered incorrectly on the question of uh, what revolves around what uh, as regards the sun and the Earth. Yeah, uh, we, we all know that actually the Earth revolves around the sun, but 18% of Americans said the sun revolves around the Earth. Got, getting that wrong. Now that actually showed up on Dig Science, as though it were new news, and uh, had a lot of people responding to it and chiming in with, 
wow, one, almost one out of five Americans doesn't know that the, uh, <laughs> that the that in fact, the Earth revolves around the sun, basic astronomy. Uh, how ignorant can you be? Americans are stupid. Um, now, the, the, my, my point in all that, in pointing that out, was this, this is mimetics in action. Okay. Yeah. This, this is... This is a good indication of uh, a very sticky kind of a meme, okay? The, the idea that Americans are stupid is an idea that people really like to pass along. And I, and I point out in the, in the blog post that there are a number of different reasons that people might have for, uh, for promoting that idea. There, there, uh, there, there are a number of different purposes that it, that it serves for, for people. They use it to make uh, political arguments or they use it to, uh, you know, for entertainment. It, 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 and it serves a lot of different purposes, and it's got a kind of a universal applicability. Um, people in other countries think Americans are stupid, and uh, that doesn't stop at the border. <laughs> people in the U.S. tend to think that Americans are stupid. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a universally held belief. At, people are attracted to the idea, so attracted that somebody saw this nine-year-old piece and boom, uh, hit it like it was news, and a bunch of folks responded to it as though it were news, and it ended up very near the top at Dig Science, as though it were uh, as though it were a news story, when in fact it's actually uh, nine years old. I actually I have I have a kind of a theory about this, and it you know we've all everyone, no matter how smart you all you are, you, we've all had the situation where we felt like the dumbest person in the room. Yes. You know, you go to a party and they're talking about something you have no clue about, and uh, for me that used to be sports. You know, particularly football. Um, and you know, lately I've taken a little more interest in it. I know a few more things about it, but um, it's it's uh, you know I, I would I would have no idea what these guys were talking about. This athlete, or you know, uh, you know, got traded to this team, and you know, I, I'm lost. Right. And so um, it's all you know, especially you know when you your your ego has taken a hit or two like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real nice to get a story that that reassures you that you're not. The dumbest person ever, because there's somebody that doesn't know this obvious fact, and you know, the, and the twenty percent of Americans don't know that. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm in the top seventy-five percent. You know, I'm in the top eighty percent here. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, some, somewhere in there. So, um, I, number one, I don't, I don't buy the statistic. I think that it's probably less than that. I think that if you have twenty percent saying uh, that the sun revolves around the Earth, uh, then half of those weren't listening to the questioner. You know. I, well, I think there might be, yeah, there might be some conceptual dyslexia going on uh, yeah. with that uh, with that particular question. I I certainly think we, in, in fact, we had a almost identical um, uh, situation in a video that we had up on the site. I don't know a year ago or so, and it was from a French game show, and it was it was something like, um, oh, the Regis Philbin one. What's the one where you try to become a oh, who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. And uh, it, 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 in fact, the, the question was, um, you know, what revolves around the Earth or what revolves around the Moon or something like that. Um, and it was poll the audience time, and three quarters of the audience came up with the idea that the Earth revolves around the Moon, or <laughs> yeah, or, or something yeah. to that effect. And I'm going, well, I, I don't read French that well, but I'm thinking it had to be the way that was phrased. Yeah, it it, it, it kind of tricked the audience into into saying something that wasn't true and make, making the audience look particularly dumb. Well, you know, I, I don't. However, the meme, the meme, French people are stupid, doesn't really exist. 
Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. there's not a big... Uh, there's not a big stickiness to that idea. So that, that video didn't get pushed all over the web um, and, and treated as, as a proof point for... Because uh, the, the, there's this national ego thing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it, America's the, this big hyperpower, and, and so it makes it, it, it's fun to feel superior to Americans because they're dumb. Well, you know. And, yeah, we're, we're a little provincial, you know. We don't. Uh, you, you can travel 100 miles in each direction and still speak English, um, <laughs> but yeah, or a thousand. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's yeah, exactly. You can go all over the country and and speak one language, and so we we kind of are a little bit insular. But uh, you know, I, I don't think that that really reflects on. American intelligence that much, but there's another. But there's another issue that well, uh, that kind of goes into that. Um, uh, you know, so someone might be, you know, really ignorant about, you know, things like astronomy and things, and look like a complete fool if asked a question like that. But be a genius underneath the car hood, you know, uh, right. might be a genius mechanic. So it doesn't mean they're stupid. It just means that they're smart in other ways. And so, you know, I, again, I. There's lots of ways to be. Oh smart. well, absolutely. And one, one of the things one of the things I talk about is it, it's really a bad idea to generalize from this kind of data anyway. Right. Right. You know, you, you, there's 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 really not a lot to be proved by the fact that that people answer that question that way. Especially when we also point out in the same in the same article we read that um, more Americans got that question right than folks in Great Britain or in Germany who were asked the same question. They actually had a higher percentage of people who got it wrong. Than we did, yeah. And you know, so therefore, you know, uh, Brits are stupid, Germans are stupid. Well, nobody thinks that, and it, that 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 uh, that doesn't that doesn't come into play. And I think it's it's absolutely valid to say, yeah, well, you know, there, there, there's a whole lot of different uh, pieces of the intelligence puzzle that you want to be looking at before you conclude that an entire society is uh, is stupid. But that's really not the issue, I think, with with memetics. It's got. Uh, and this is kind of where I ended this, and I feel like I need to write more about this because this is this is kind of the the puzzling crux of it. A meme gets reproduced because it's good at being reproduced. Yeah, it gets reproduced because it's useful um, to the people who are hearing it and to the people who are passing it on. The people who hear it become people who pass it on. That's that's what makes it fulfills some function for a good meme, right? Yeah. It now, makes you, if if that function is to make you feel better about yourself because you're not an American, or feel better because you're, you know, you happen to be just the rare smart American, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know. See, you're buying into it now. Yeah. The rare smart American. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The thing, the thing, the thing that um, the thing that a meme doesn't have to be, and this is what I was pointing out, is true. Okay. Yeah. It <laughs> it doesn't have to be true to be a good meme. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that useful information, uh, that true information, never is useful. Um, a lot of what we go looking for, information-wise, in this world, uh, we, we want actual factual information. If you, you know, if you buy the cereal box and it says uh, "prize inside," right? You want that information to be factually correct, so that if you, you know, tear through the box looking for the prize, that it's that it's actually there. So sometimes the usefulness content. The usefulness value of information is mapped one to one to its truthfulness, and then sometimes it's not. It, it has it has more to do with um, uh, with how personally useful it is to you, regardless of whether it's true in some objective sense. And it would be really hard to uh, 
even come to uh, agreement as to what an objective scale would be for saying, you know, this nation is dumb compared to, you know, the rest of the world. I mean, you know, what would the, what would the criteria be for even deciding that? Would you use standardized test scores? Would you, you know, there, there, there would be... Uh, <laughs> there would be any number of different ways to, uh, to to go about measuring it, and it, it's it it just what to me what it raises the question of is you know how many stories raised to the top of dig, or, or how much information shows up on say the speculus, or any other blog, uh, because it throws the right triggers in in our heads. You know I look at I look at something and go ah there you go boom that's useful information to me that's working for me because of this and because of this and because of this. And then irrespective of its actual objective truth component, boom, I'm putting it up on the web, right? Well, and, uh, you know, uh, people have often accused, you know, mainstream media, you know, if, if a particular set of facts tends to fit into the narrative, then they get reported. Right. And if uh, another set of facts that doesn't fit the narrative so well uh, comes along, then it's just ignored. In and fact, the narrative would be a meme plex, right? It's a it's a group of it's a group of clustered related memes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the narrative the narrative becomes subject to those to those same kinds of uh, same kinds of rules of. Momentum. So the meme becomes self reinforcing that way. You you can continue to hear the facts you want to hear to reinforce the ideas you already have, and uh, and you tend to ignore the facts that challenge that. Well, in fact, the thing that got me thinking about that was another story that uh, had broken either last week or earlier this week about the fact that, uh, uh, again, roughly 20% of people surveyed. I, I don't know what it is with 20% on these surveys, uh, Pareto analysis or something. But 20% of people surveyed uh, in the U.S. said they object to nanotechnology on moral grounds. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And, and, would, and of course, that's surprising because... You know, it's not like uh, an embryo is uh, is being destroyed uh, with nanotech, but I, I think that's the deal. I think that you know, there's a certain segment of of our culture that uh, is just uh, distrustful of of science in general because of things like uh, stem cell research and um, that that you know they they just become you know they hear a new word then they they're just distrustful, and they and, and say it's on moral grounds when there's really no moral basis uh, to oppose it. Now, you know, uh, Prince Charles might feel differently. Um, you know, he he, he might uh, make a gray goo argument uh, that, and there's a moral basis to maybe that argument. But I don't think that that's what the people who are responding were thinking about. Yeah, well, it's it, I, part part of my apprehension on this is just to even try to generalize what were people thinking about because I don't even know what question they saw. Right. Yeah. So, so you don't know what uh, they were responding to if you don't know what language might have been triggering the particular response. But what was really interesting to me about that was the Wall Street Journal technology blog um, mentions this, and it talks about uh, how see Americans respond this way because they're uh, because of the strong religious component to our to our demographic. Yeah. And and it talked about how people are opposed to. Uh, not only nanotech, but to biotech, you were just talking about that, yep. uh, to stem cell research, and to GM foods. Yeah. And then he, and then he goes on to say, We like, are not the biggest uh, uh, at being afraid of GM foods. Well, that's what was really interesting, because he goes on to say, uh, uh, you know, unlike the heathen Europeans who have no problem with nanotech. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, okay, obviously you're trying real hard to, 
to to force this into the narrative. And part of the narrative is Americans are dumb because we're religious. Yeah, well, you know, or at least red staters. Well, yeah, there it is. I mean, you know, within within the U.S. they make that distinction. Outside the U.S. they don't care. We're just all dumb Americans, right? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Americans are dumb because we're religious. Therefore, Americans are afraid of nanotechnology. Therefore, it's because they're dumb Americans who are religious. Um, and, but but by throwing those other two things in there, you immediately throw the whole argument into question because I'm going, well, yeah, I think Europeans are way far more opposed to GM crops than we are. Right, right. And it can't be because they're religious. Um, you know, if if we've already established that they're not afraid of nanotechnology because they're not religious. So, so you know, it's like the whole the whole logic just sort of falls apart, and you have to go, well, we don't know why people are answering questions these way these kinds of ways. And there probably are a lot of misunderstandings and misapprehensions that people have about technology. But to to take, you know, the same basic fact when it applies to the U.S. and show how it proves we're stupid, when that doesn't prove it about anybody else, I think just, just kind of shows that, that something other than the absolute objective truth is, uh, is, is an operation here. Something else is going on. Yeah. Did you uh, uh, catch that uh, story that uh, was, uh, I believe it was on Instapundit, about uh, uh, contact lenses w- with circuits uh, embedded? Speaking of stupid Americans, um, uh came up with this, I'm sure. Um, these contact lenses were, uh, I mean, they have, uh, apparently they're getting so, so, to... What do these lenses do exactly? What's the, what's the trick here with these? Well, oh, wait, you, before, before we do that, let me just say that this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about uh, various topics on the future this evening. If you would like to talk with us, we're opening up the lines now. You can call us at 347-215-8972. So do they make your, like, you know, can you shoot light out of your eyes, or what's, what's, the, what's the deal with not, that? Not yet, but uh, you can shoot light into your eyes uh, and, and see, um, you know, it could be like a, a heads-up display. You're just walking around. You know, getting getting useful information, perhaps. You know, let's say uh, you walk up to a friend. Uh, you could have scrolling in in your field of vision, like uh, his likes or dislikes or things like that. You know, useful information about places that you visit. Or okay, whatever. so this is the Terminator readout, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. so showing up in your field of vision is... So when I walk into a room naked, uh, I could scan the room and see who's my size so I can take their clothes, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that might have other useful applications too. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that would uh, that would certainly be a good start. So, what's the uh, what's? I really haven't read this one at all, so I, I don't know. Is is this um, like what's the level of how much information you can actually get? Do, do they have it to the point where people are seeing text displays in their field of vision? I mean, it actually works that way. Or well, the, here's where they're at at this point. Uh, apparently, it's very difficult to have. Um, to make a soft contact lens with circuitry inside, circuitry involves heat, and you know, in order to lay down the circuitry and things. And um, whereas the the lens is a very fragile process, but they're figuring it out, and so they've got circuitry now that the inside of soft contact lenses, they've tested on animals with no problems, um, um, rabbits. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I guess I get a readout on what the carrot is. You know, I'm here. <laughs> But right. but uh, yeah they um, and as far as what they they're uh, able to do at this point it's just a few pixels that they can display but you know how these things are they 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 get better and better so um, right well what you want eventually is you want an interface directly into the optic nerve and you want it to be you know writing that text out uh, in in the electrical impressions such that you're going to see it. 
but but there's no text actually being displayed anywhere. So you could you could have a really high resolution display at that point. It'd be cool, wouldn't it? And you could overlay all kinds of things. You know, it wouldn't just be text, but you could uh, uh, you know you could overlay Google Maps over the uh, landscape that you're looking at, or uh, you know, all kinds of. Yeah, okay. the, the possibilities are basically endless with Put that. Put more appealing faces on the people that uh, you know surround you. I, mean. <laughs> I like that. That's great. But I mean, um, it's yeah, yeah. I think that there's there there are some safety issues. I mean, you you want to be very careful with uh, how you alter your surroundings while you're driving around uh, in your car um, and things like that. I mean, but. Um, I think it could also it could it could actually if it's done right it could actually enhance safety um, in, in, in situations like that by allowing you to know what your speed is without having to glance down. And all right, you have the you have the dashboard uh, in front of you all the time. That's kind right. Of, you know, maybe just kind of down in the lower right hand or left hand or upper right or left upper left, but somewhere in the corner. But you can always see it, so you can. Right. You can continually monitor what's happening with the traffic, and you never and you never never have to look away from it. But you still know what's happening with your speed, and uh, and, well, and you're not reading a book, you know, in in your field of vision as you're going, as you're trying to drive or whatever. That, uh, but yeah, it's. It, I think it could actually, if it's done right, it could actually improve your safety in situations like that. And, and well, here, here's what would really be cool: is uh, pushing in that same direction. Then we'll take the we'll take the same technology uh, a generation or two farther along the road here. And let's say that in that upper right-hand corner, you get the you get the dashboard. Maybe down the lower right-hand corner, you get a tactical view of what's going on behind your car. So you never have to look in the rearview mirror again. You can, you, you, while looking straight ahead and looking at what's happening to you, you've got one little part of your field of vision devoted to uh, everything that's going on, like behind the car, maybe even what's happening uh, on either side of the car. You've, uh, you'd never have to use your mirrors. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I mean, and and again, you're not having to move your head. Um, right. You, 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 and so again, it could be it could be making you safer. Uh, or you know, um, in backing, it could it could give you a a display uh, of of where you're backing that would uh, remove blind spots or whatever. Yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. The full tactical display would mean you would never have to worry about blind spots. Here's the here's the the nub of this one though. Which will happen first? Will we have this uh, full-blown dashboard and tactical display in our vision, in our field of vision, or will the cars be doing all the driving intelligently? Which, which will that one's be? a race, Phil. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, with with the, the DARPA prize, uh, and the, those guys are getting closer and closer all the time. You know, it, it, I, I see this. Both of these uh, developments are imminent. You know, I think uh, we could have uh, we could have contact lenses. Uh, that you know, with full color displays, um, you know, I, I think that we could have that in a decade, and we can have self-driving cars in a decade. Absolutely, and and one doesn't necessarily preclude the other because I can imagine even if your complementary technology, yeah, they they are complementary because uh, even if my car was pretty much taking care of all the driving for me, I'd still want this for my bike. Yeah, it'd be very handy to know what's going on behind, well, and a lot of the same safety issues you deal with. In a car, you deal with it at a slightly slower speed, but with a greater exposure to uh, uh, to, to, to accidents uh, on a bicycle. So, uh, I think uh, plus it'd be cool to have a have a dashboard for my bike. You know, look up and <laughs> uh, I'm just laughing at uh, Michael Darling's comment. Uh, American cars would drop dumb. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, <laughs> see, that would be the problem. 
That would be the meme, at least. Well, if Michael joins us later, maybe he can wax uh, philosophically as to whether we've now proven that uh, aliens are, in fact, Americans. Because uh, weren't we talking with him last time around about how uh, aliens are stupid? So if, uh, if Americans are stupid and aliens are stupid, I don't know if there's a if there's a logical correspondence that can be drawn there or not. I had some fun watching some uh, movies with aliens here the last couple of weeks with my kids. I uh, introduced um, these were smart aliens. I mean. Oh yeah. Well, um, the the first one was uh, uh, introduced the younger kids who had never seen it to ET. Okay. About a, uh, a week and a half ago, and I mean. You know that 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 movie still gets it done for me. I mean, that is uh, if you don't shed a tear at the end of ET, you're just you're just heartless. You know. Mm, yeah. You got, <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. You particularly, got particularly when your four year old is sitting next to you saying, "Daddy, does he have to go?" You know. Oh. You know. So anyway, sorry about that cute moment, but uh, it was it was great for me. Now we can do up to one a week. I think. Yeah, one cute moment yeah. per week, and uh, then um, you know. Uh, just a little while ago, I got finished watching Close Encounters uh, with with um, my two older sons, and uh, they uh, they were freaked out by a couple of parts in it. But uh, I mean, at the end of it, you talk about a movie that's just great. I mean, mm. that movie is just fantastic. It accomplishes everything it sets out to do, and such a well and so, so well done. Well, uh, very different kinds of movies. Same director yeah. working on the same basic uh sets of propositions in some in some ways um and yet uh and yet really different uh kinds of movies i think um you know et is this um it it, it it's about an alien but it reaffirms life here it, it reaffirms you know family and friendship and um you know, taking care of each other and hoping for the future, and, and just and, and just all of these kinds of uh, very uh, I don't know basic. Uh, gosh, I'm going to use a term here. I hardly ever use family values, right? Yeah. I mean that, that's the that's that's the crux of that's the crux of ET. Close Encounters is is this very transcendental story. It's it's all about um, uh, ascension. There's 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 something. Uh, very, the singularity is near about the aliens in Close Encounters. You know, by, by the time we get to them, they're very mystical. The, the family values in uh, Close Encounters. Uh, I think the message there is basically that families suck. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his wife is awful. And the kids are terrible. You know, yeah, never then, get never get married. Never have kids. Is, well, and then what I, the message ditches I them away. in the end too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, so yeah, he, he hitches a ride off the planet to get away from them. There's yeah. Like yeah, so, but oh well, it's it's a great movie though. Well, it, it it's it's a it's a really cool movie. Now, let's let's get into this a little bit because I think this is fun. So, oh wait, how, how did your uh, so you watched with your with your oldest boy? You watched uh, Close yeah, Encounters. What that's was his, right. What was his take? What did he think? Uh, he w- he was just sitting there. I mean, I, with his mouth hanging open and how great it was. You know, right. what I mean, and. Uh, he he was asking he was asking questions like is that is that mountain real yeah yes yeah, son that that's Devil's Tower and yeah. that's that's for real we ought to go see it sometime it's pretty cool isn't it yeah and I mean he, but I mean as far as the uh, um, you know and he had and he had questions about you know well uh, you know do you think that there really are aliens and why aren't they here and I said well you know that's interesting you know. Um, there, there are those who say that if there were any in this galaxy, then they would have already been here. You know, we got in. And so, the best I could to explain to a ten-year-old those concepts, uh, it, it opened up the opportunity to talk to him about those things. So, 
yeah, but he had a great time, and uh, I think he'll be watching that one over and over. He, he when he gets stuck on a movie, it's kind of funny that he'll he'll watch it probably ten times in the next week and a half. <laughs> Fortunately, I won't have to be around for all of those. He'll movies. know it better than better than you. Yeah. You, you know what's what's interesting about that when, when you mention that is that um, as forward looking as both of those movies were at the time they were made, and especially Close Encounters, E.T. Yeah. Not as much, but especially Close Encounters. We can look at those movies now and say, well, this is actually probably a, a pretty simple-minded view of what aliens might be like. And it, yeah. it's, it's probably kind of a naive view of, of, of what aliens might be like. And, and in fact, chances are there's, you know, if and when we ever encounter them, it won't be much of anything like, like that, unfortunately, because it's pretty darn cool when we do encounter them in that movie. And speaking of taking kids to see movies, um, it would have been, let's see, in 2005, I guess the it was the it was the 40th anniversary of, or maybe the, I don't know what year it was. Anyway, it was some big anniversary of 2001: A Space Odyssey, and they were showing it at one of the local theaters. So I took my daughter. My, it my can't teenage, be the 40th already. Maybe, but oh uh, no, it must have been like the 35th. Okay, yeah, yeah, it must have been. So I took my teenage daughter to see 2001 A Space Odyssey in the theater, and I had not seen it in, in that way myself since uh, like my and, family went to the theater. And if ever there was a movie meant for the big screen, right? Absolutely, that movie's meant for the big screen, isn't it? Absolutely, and um, and they showed it right. They showed it with the intermission and and everything. And you know, two two things about that. First, um, she was not impressed at all. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, that's a love it or hate it movie. Yeah, well, it really, exactly. It really we, is. We got to the end of that and uh and and she was like, "What happened? What was the yeah, point what of the heck was that?" Yeah. Yeah, you know, what why, so why it's, would a, it's a singularity that? aware movie. I mean, it's that's exactly, you know, that's a singularity moment. Well, that's uh, the thing. She and I had watched Close Encounters on TV and she really she really dug it. Um but but uh, didn't much care for the aliens in 2001: A Space Odyssey, but I think if we ever do encounter aliens, I think they're probably likely to be a lot more like that. Yeah, a lot, you know that a lot far, weirder than uh, the aliens that show up in Close Encounters. Yeah, exactly. So far past us that we really just can't make heads or tails of what they're doing. Yeah, it, who, who put us into experiences that we kind of go, well, maybe it means this, but I, uh, I really couldn't say for sure because it's just. You yeah, know. I guess the thing that, uh, that Close Encounters gets right is the people. Yes. It, it might not got, it might not have gotten the aliens right, but it got the people right. It got and, the people right, and uh, it 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 didn't go the lazy way that so many movies go. Like uh, uh, the, what, what was that movie? The Day After Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, uh, global warm you know the global warming causes this catastrophic thing that only affects the United States. The entire <laughs> rest of the world is okay, but um, you know. But well, now the, some, no, now the royal family I believe got killed in the uh, UK too. So. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> They're, just just the Western world, but yeah. uh, um, uh, in in uh, in Close Encounters, it's a it's a worldwide story, and uh, he, he, they don't. Although the uh, United States figures prominently, uh, they they don't take the lazy way out. You know, right. Absolutely, to, yeah. You see you see it uh, uh, all over the world. Yeah, in India, in uh, Africa. You, you, yeah, you, you know, you one of the main guys is French. You know, Francois I mean, Truffaut there uh, playing the part of the. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hey, we got another caller. Let me grab. Let me grab this line. Okay. Hello, caller. You're on Fastboard Radio. I, I like being identified in the generic as caller. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call you caller from now on. We, 
Well, I didn't know who you were. So. Uh, well, how, I didn't realize you you had no way of knowing. I thought, you know, modern technology, my number would leap up, my the picture associated with my phone number in the NSA database, something. Yeah. Well, I got to, I got your number here, but as uh, I don't have the the contact lenses with the scrolling info just yet, but we'll get that we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, well, I'm very quite pleased convinced, to by the way that. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're pleased to welcome a man who needs no introduction, Michael Darling, to the program this evening. And by the way, you don't really count as a caller, so we retract calling you a caller. Fair enough. And if anyone else uh, wants to call in, they they still can, because you're 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 more of a... Then they would actually be a caller. Yes, yes. So go. call us at 347-215-8972. This is Fast Forward Radio. So I'm sorry, Michael, you were going to say. No, there's no apology needed. I, I was going to comment that uh, for the chip in the or the circuit in the contact lens, I'm quite confident that um, that the American drivers would use it to watch TV. And, uh, <laughs> yes, it's interesting what's behind me, but, you know, it might also be interesting to know what the temperature of the engine is or, you know, what's the, how much is the gasoline at the next stop, but we'd be watching it. We'd be using it to watch TV. Well, well hopefully we'd have cars, cars to be driving right. itself by then, Yeah, right? yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but it, it won't be a bad thing if the car is driving itself, so... Speaking of cars driving themselves, did you guys catch Night Rider last week? I haven't caught any of those yet. Is it is it good or is it you know flat out cheesy fun? Is it can't be anything in the middle. It's either one or the other. Well, if you enjoy uh, if you enjoyed the first one as a kid, you'll enjoy this one as an adult. It's it's not quite as cheesy as the original, but it's but it's still. So this is this is no Battlestar Galactica. They've not tried to reimagine it and make it serious or. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is still. This is still pretty dumb. It's but still, I mean, it's about a guy who talks to his car because it's uh, but the car his could car be is a robot, basically. What? The I mean, car could be smarter now. Yeah. It, it, or more, more, more wisecracky. Yeah, the, uh, the car has a slightly different personality, it seems like, yeah. Is it the same voice? No, that's unfortunate because I like the voice of the original. Yeah, uh, that was the guy from St. Elsewhere, right? Was the, is that right? No. I guess. I think it was, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. A uh, uh, the car does different things. Uh, apparently, it has nanobots in the uh, in the skin of the car that can make it do all sorts of things, including change color. At you know, and uh, I, I'm just waiting for it to to turn invisible. That, that I haven't seen it do that yet. But now that's pretty cool. Yeah, if, I would it, if, it, if it could turn invisible or change shape, that would be pretty neat. Well, it hasn't changed shape yet, but it has changed color, and uh, apparently it heals when it when it's shot, as opposed to just, you know, deflecting the bullets. It it, it absorbs the bullets and then heals. Right. So it's it's pretty cool. That's good. They they have to be disciplined with the nanotech though. Yeah. Because they could quickly have it be like yeah, the kid becomes na- bang bang, right? I mean, <laughs> it could become an airplane. It could become a submarine. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a pretty pretty soon. Kid is just and something would be ball. wrong with that. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. It'd be very darn cool, actually. As long as as long as it didn't destroy the dramatic narrative, it would be wicked awesome. <laughs> well, what, I remember there was a, uh, a, a comic book hero many years ago. In, in fact, I used to have a reprint of the first issue ever of Action Comics, the first ever appearance of Superman, and this guy was in that. He was like one of the filler back. Uh, you know, also featured, right? Because it, the, the whole comic book wouldn't be just one character back in those days. You'd have a whole lot of things going on. Um, his name was Spy Smasher. And he, he he had this vehicle called the Gyro Sub. Okay. So, okay. So it's a gyrocopter, 
slash submarine. Right? <laughs> that's pretty cool. And it's like, you know, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty nifty combination, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think you could do a lot with a, with the show about a sky uh, captain in the world of tomorrow. He had an airplane that was also a sub, and that was pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, the only thing, I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch about the uh, sky captain airplane sub because when he transitioned from air to water, it was a seamless motion. It's like he's going, you know, three or four hundred miles an hour, or 150 miles an hour, some number, and in the air, it's in the water, water same speed. You know, now they did that in Incredibles, and I thought yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah. And you know, you kind of have to suspend disbelief in a different way when you're watching an animation. Yeah. But in Sky Captain, it was also a cartoon, but it wasn't cartoony, and it just bothered me that it made that transition so effortlessly. Yeah. The, the bottom line is, no matter how streamlined your vehicle. That's going to be a pretty jolting, jarring kind of a thing hitting. Yeah, it's, by very definition, it's it's a different uh, it's it's different. Yeah, you had better you better set down like a feather on that water, and then and then allow yourself to sink, or go straight into it, and you know somehow achieve the right speed to break the surface tension, and then do a ninety degree turn. Yeah, <laughs> right. But to ease exactly. into it like you're landing on it, and then just somehow be in it. That that, that doesn't work visually. Well, now speaking of vehicles. Michael, what can you tell us about this new uh, diesel hybrid that uh, Volkswagen's coming out with? You would uh, email well, since, me about since, it. Uh, yeah, diesel hybrid, I want I to talk about that. But I also want to uh, point out that I, I was listening earlier. I was monitoring earlier. Okay. And um, I think PJ missed an obvious speculous moment at the Academy Awards tonight. Which one? Um, where the host, uh, in, in doing his opening uh, gig, opening shtick, uh, was being rather amusing, um, you know, given that that's a subjective thing. And he pointed out that uh, in the context of modern America, uh, we're having a historic presidential election here, and we could actually uh, elect either a black man or a woman. And if that were to happen, we would have no way to know it's the future in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, yeah. That's and great. I thought, that's a, that's a nice little uh, yeah. speculous moment, and it sort of destroys the mimetic, hey, we can't just put a, a, I mean, maybe you could have a black woman as president, and that would be the gentle, obvious marker that it's clearly the future, but I don't know. It was good. Yeah, that is, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're, the bar is definitely going up at that point. We're going to have to have some kind of... I think we crossed the line um, with Morgan Freeman. When when uh, in I believe it was Deep Impact, right? When he played the president in that, and it was so believable, then I think it actually created the possibility, uh, or or sped the possibility of a black president. Well, yeah, it became part of our conceptual universe, and also the second season and third season of Twenty Four. That's true. Yeah. And in fact, now we we uh, oh, no, that's that's like borderline spoiler. I'm waiting for Twenty Four to wrap up, and then I want to watch the whole thing start to finish in one weekend. Oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're you're watching uh, season one. I, I haven't started yet. I want to wait for the whole thing to just be done and in the bucket and then go, okay, now I'm just going to sit and watch the whole thing in real time, 24 hours at a time. Okay, let me, wow. let me, just, let me unspoil it for you, okay? There, <laughs> there will be at least one black president on 24, but the it black president may not be who you think it's going to be. There, And it I won't mean. be Morgan Freeman. We know that. It, That's right. I'm not saying it's not. Okay? I'm for, saying. for anybody who's never watched any 24 at all, it could be... Uh, and um, I'm not reminded of this because of any reference to Morgan Freeman, but I, I will, by way of uh, 
I don't know, I guess, minor footnote bio to the, I'd watch 24 straight through in real time. If it's a 24-hour episode, I, you know, I'd watch all 24 hours consecutive. I did once attend uh, a Planet of the Apes film festival, and I watched all of the Planet of the Apes movies in one unbroken sitting. Wow. In a movie theater on the big screen. I wish we'd had you on, uh, Michael, when we, when we had Tobias Buckell on, uh, what was that, our New Year's show, and we were talking about the Planet of the Apes movies, because anybody who did what you did, and I think, you should run for president now, okay, because John you, McCain, you are, yeah, John you McCain, are a better man than Hilton, and you did what you just said, okay? So. It, it was, uh, I will acknowledge that it's hard, I, I can't think of a movie I've walked out of, because, um, I mean, once you're in it, it's like, how bad can it get? And the worse it gets, to the point, you go, oh. This could get good again, um, but it, it was painful. It was a uh, physically demanding and painful experience. Well, the first one, not so, the first one, not so much, right? Yeah, I the mean, first one's kind of good, sort of conceptually. The second one is the first one's a bad. Best. And if you read the book, watching the movie was was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Right. After that, it it just it it degrades to the point where, I mean, just trust me. If you've never seen the fifth one. Um, by the time you're in the, the opening sequence on the fifth one, you're like, oh, my God, is that guy carrying a garbage can cover as his shield? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's totally painful. <laughs> anyway, let, let's talk vehicles because um, I, did, I did shoot something to both you guys earlier this week, Volkswagen, uh, and this was partly their announcement, partly it was spy press about in the auto industry had sort of scooped them and reported that they are going to, uh, at the Geneva Auto Show, coming up the next few weeks, they're going to show a uh, diesel-electric hybrid. And uh, details are not clear. It's not a production vehicle. It is a prototype. Uh, VW claims, um, in part, that, um, that they are planning to go to production with it, and they are designing it and conceiving of it uh, really specifically aimed at the U.S. market, especially California. Now, how California ends up being different than the U.S. market anymore is a little mystifying to me. I haven't kept up with the uh, ins and outs of, of auto distribution, but well, that, was, that was the VW claim. I, I, would, I would see two things right off the bat about California. One, it's a big market, and two, uh, probably the most receptive market to alternative vehicles in the country. I would think those, those two things are probably factors. When and as California there. goes, America follows you. Uh, and, and with 10 or 15 like years later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, and I mean, the, and the, the reality is, it's uh, uh, for that kind of vehicle. If I mean, as long as the emissions standards, and that used to be the big deal in California, was they had stricter emission standards. So if you had a California car, that meant something. But if they're just selling it in L.A. and San Francisco and not selling it in the rest of the country, big deal. You're going to make that kind of investment. The price of a plane ticket added on to the purchase really might not be that big a deal, as long as you could get it serviced locally, because um, diesel is diesel. Right, and you can. And electricity is electricity, so the fuel aspect is not a big deal. Whereas people contemplating hydrogen, it's like, look, you got to be close to the one hydrogen refueling station because otherwise, you're you know you're screwed. Well, golf, they've already got diesel golfs, right? Yeah, that are, that are non-hybrids. Yeah, Volkswagen's been doing uh, uh, a lot of uh, diesel. diesel vehicles for for a long well, time. Well, in, in anticipation of the question, yeah. I, I looked up some diesel uh, and VW related information. Uh, and I can say that diesel, uh, Volkswagen sells roughly half of all their vehicles in Europe are diesel. Yeah. So they've got uh, real clean, and uh, I mean a lot of the a lot of the uh, problems that people associate with diesel have been worked out in these modern diesel engines. That so they say. 
I, yeah. There's a lot of diesels in my neighborhood that are still loud and they're still uh, smelly, uh, hard smelly. to crank on cold days, and all these things. That's right. Um, supposedly, the super clean diesel are more efficient. They can be more powerful with or without turbo, which is nice. Um, the, the other advantage of diesel, to make a broader statement about diesel vehicles, the fuel itself is is easier and cheaper to refine from crude oil. Plus, you can do other interesting things that don't necessarily have to be oil-based to come up with a diesel fuel. Um, diesels do tend to be a little bit more expensive, and right now in the U.S., and I guess this has been true for several years, uh, diesel fuel tends to be more expensive. I think that's a supply-demand issue, and that if more people were buying diesel, uh, the suppliers would supply more, and that price differential would either even out or would be uh, less. Now, what for about V-Dub? Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. For the V-Dub hybrid electric uh, diesel vehicle, um, they're estimating, and again, it's a it's a prototype, but they're estimating 60 to 80 miles per gallon, um, and that two things that although they haven't revealed details, I'm sure that'll come out in the coming weeks when, as Geneva either occurs. Um, or more people find out more about it. Um, but it tells me that they're probably contemplating a parallel hybrid as opposed to a serial hybrid. Because in a serial hybrid, you theoretically could drive electric for short distances, all electric. They're not talking about a plug-in version, although uh, as has been posted on the blog, and I think we even talked about before, plug-in, um, plug-in hybrid electrics uh, seem to make a lot of sense because you know, the cheap electricity you get at home can... Even if it only powers your first 10 miles of the day, that's 10 miles you're not using any fuel at all. Right. Well, any liquid fuel. Um, Seven, it's so that's the, pretty good. It's, now, the equivalent the, of, it's, the, it's the equivalent of 75 cents for a gallon of gasoline. Wow. Yeah. Not bad. Or, or less. Or less, at the most. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the other thing I, I would point out, though, is you know this is an announcement of a prototype. Um, auto industry uh, has earned my skepticism uh, of their prototypes going to production. VW claims this is an anticipated production car. They're not saying when. And I think that's partly because they weren't really planning to talk about this in February. Um, they were kind of getting scooped, and they sort of did their release around the same time the scoop, the news was coming out anyway. But they are insisting that it is going to be a production vehicle. Um, that said, VW has claimed two years ago that there is going to be uh, full electric versions of all their smallest vehicles, Right now, there's no full electric uh, versions of any of their vehicles. Um, and two years ago, they made a claim that they were going to have a super clean diesel vehicle that would get 235 miles per gallon uh, and be built out of a carbon fiber uh, cage or shell. Um, cool. And, you know, great prototype. There's a picture of it on the web. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot a link so we can put it up on the blog. But um, And I would drive that thing because, you know, personally, I think it looks cool. Some people bitched about the appearance, but... Um, VW hasn't put any of those things into production. So. Okay, well, leave, leaving VW's tendency to get carried away with the hype aside for a moment. Let, 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 let's go. go back to something you said, which was that uh, diesel is diesel. Now, I want to test that. Is that true? So can I mix um, petroleum-based diesel with, with um, uh, biodiesel? Yes, you can mix bio-willy with uh, regular diesel. So, so, in fact, diesel engines are already flex-fuel vehicles. Yes. Yeah. To some degree. No, I mean, now there there are, there are diesel engines that will burn, uh, you know, uh, cooking oil from from the local restaurant, but you you have to you have to uh, switch back to regular diesel uh, as you're uh, in the last you know few miles uh, before you get to the house because you don't want that solidifying in in the uh, uh, within the engine. 
Oh, okay. It, it, you, you, but there are additives you can use in the vegetable oil that will more or less liquefied. keep it liquefied. Yeah. And I will I will add to the link on the uh, the radical car um, that they you know nothing has been heard of since uh, a company that can make um, diesel fuel out of recycled plastic. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, that's a good way to go. I think we talked about making fuel out of uh, recyclables last week rather than rather than making additional product out of them. I think that's a that's an interesting way to go with uh, with bio waste. It's an interesting way to go with. Uh, with plastic as well. You know what, guys? We are out of time. We just, sure are. And we I sure realize are. that uh, we we've got to cut to the music. Um, so what do you what do you what what have we got going on music wise? Well, we got we got uh, Codaphonic and uh, it's it's their song Riddlin', which I almost hate to get in to play without a discussion. Uh, it's obviously <laughs> against um, uh, you know uh, administering Ritalin to all the kids across the board. And uh, I think uh, uh, there's a discussion we should have at some point on that. We might we might get into that next week. We'll have to pick that up uh, sometime in the future. But uh, in, in the meantime, I recommend everyone watch the South Park episode where all the kids get put on Ritalin. I think that uh, <laughs> is a balanced and intellectual treatment of the issue. <laughs> all right, so we'll we'll As listen always. we'll listen we'll listen to that music. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Yep. Yeah, make, and make sure to catch uh, catch our show notes uh, where we uh, will link back to all the things we talked about, including the music I'm about to play. All right, sounds great. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Michael. Thanks again to PJ Manny for joining us from Hollywood. We look forward to being with you all again on the next Fast Forward Radio.
Let's put them on.